The Lord Christ is worthy to receive all honour, praise and glory to his name. Uh, We're going to continue uh, seeing that revelation this morning. We're in chapter 5 of Revelation. You might want to put your finger in the page, uh, which we'll be reading shortly as we prepare ourselves, as we make ready for the return of the King one day. I wonder how your week has been this last week. Uh, Did you come back to earth after last Sunday? Uh, Or are you still in the throne room? Uh, I hope that you've stayed there, uh, knowing that God is at the centre. Chapter 4 of Revelation is is almost kind of like um, the stage preparation process, uh, preparing uh, for the drama of chapter 5 that we're going to uh, look at today. So the invitation is for you to join me as we step back through the door uh, into heaven. It's uh, almost as if we're uh, going through that wardrobe into Narnia uh, to begin to see something of reality, the ultimate reality. And when we're in that throne room, it's possible not only to see the wondrous majesty of God, it's not a place of escapism, but it's where all things here on earth, everything in our daily lives, all those things are put into their proper perspective when we see heaven open, when we see who it is reigning on high. So without further ado, let's dive straight into chapter 5, into this continuing wondrous revelation of God. Revelation 5 verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne... A scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice. Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain standing in the centre of the throne. Encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, he had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. When he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding... Uh, golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints and they sang a new song you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God 
from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. The ultimate reality is that all weeping, all hopelessness, because that scroll can't be opened, truth cannot be known in this world apart from God. That weeping is over. That sadness is over. Because there is one worthy to open the seals. There is one who reveals to us the purpose of God's revelation. His plan for human life and flourishing. So as we consider these things, uh, why don't we note down, if you're taking notes, the following three points. Firstly, root. Secondly, redemption. And thirdly, reign or reigning Root, redemption, and reigning. If you want to summarise it, like I summarised last week's message, then summarise it like this. The root of David is the redeemer of all his people. And he is reigning now in heaven and throughout creation through his people. Praise God. The root of David has appeared, he has lived amongst us, he has suffered and died, he has forged a way forward through uh, uh, for us to follow. Let's uh, consider the root of David. Emmeline can tell you uh, that uh, at the allotment, we're trying to remove all the roots in the soil uh, in order to ensure that what grows next season are useful crops and not a prolific patch of weeds throughout the allotment. So we are digging, we are turning, we are sifting, we are removing the unhelpful roots there in the allotment. But the root that's mentioned here in scripture is not the kind of root that you want to get rid of. Because he is the key to opening the scroll. He is the key to revealing the mystery of life. He is the key to giving us purpose and hope and eternal life. The long promised Messiah. 
And there are clear echoes of scripture here in chapter 5 as there have been all the way through so far. Genesis 49, for example, and verses 9 and 10 speak of the coming Messiah. Isaiah chapter 11 that we heard at the beginning of our service speaks of that shoot, the branch who will be fruitful, the root of David. Remember the Apostle John's amazing intertextuality, how he weaves a wondrous tapestry of fulfilled Old Testament scripture, fulfilled by and in Jesus. John is writing some decades after Jesus' death, resurrection and ascension to glory. Perhaps 50 years have passed since those wondrous events that John himself witnessed. And he's writing the revelation of the truth that this man, and he was fully man, this man is also fully God the Lamb of God, standing now at the centre of the throne on high. Jesus, the bold and victorious Lion of Judah, yet he secures his victory through the cross. It's folly to the world, but it's marvellous before our eyes. You know the wonderful thing about a root? Not so wonderful it's a, if it's a weed root. Because uh, they keep coming back, don't they? Those uh, perennials keep coming back. But the wonderful thing about a root is that it's the part of the plant that anchors the plant. That gives it stability. That enables it to rise up. It also nourishes the whole of the rest of the plant. You can chop off the rest of the plant. But if the root remains, a vigorous new plant can appear and grow. It is the root which provides and sustains life. And this is what Jesus does for all his people. For the 24 elders represented in the text. 12 representing the Old Testament saints and the 12 the other 12 representing the church. You see, friends, John is unmistakable in his message that it's all about Jesus. The question for us is, do we know the real Jesus? Is he centre? Is he at the centre of our lives? You see, Jesus, according to John, sees everything. He has seven eyes. He sees everything. And he commands us to repent of our sin and to walk afresh according to his commandments. We do this imperfectly, of course, but he helps us. He heals us and sanctifies us and empowers us to serve as priests on earth. Of course, Jesus was the root that the people rejected. They thought that he was an undesirable root. Like the dandelions on my allotment. 
And so they dug him up and they threw him on the refuse pile. But as we're told in Psalm 118 verse 22, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvellous in our eyes. Is God's plan of redemption, is his reality marvellous in your eyes? Friend, it is ultimate reality without it without Jesus we will simply stumble and fail we will have no hope in this life but when we see Jesus as the Lamb of God as the conquering and victorious Lamb of God the one who purchases from among every nation tribe and tongue his people then we truly have something to live on. Second point, Jesus is a great redeemer. He accomplishes the redemption of human beings. Through the death of the lamb comes our life. The ransom is paid. The price is paid. I wonder uh, if anyone here has paid off their mortgage You don't have to put your hands up, but there's a few knowing nods. For others of us, it's just a dream. Uh, It seems perhaps far off, the reality of being uh, mortgage-free. But when you decide you're in a position to pay off your mortgage, those of you who've done it will know that you request what's called a redemption statement. A final redemption statement. This tells you the price that's necessary to take full ownership of your home. A glorious moment that many of us aspire to. But take note this morning. Christ has paid with his pure and precious blood the price to take full possession of his people. There's nothing remaining on Christ's redemption statement. There's no debt remaining that needs to be paid. Christ has paid in full. The price that was necessary to wash every one of our sins away has been paid. Hallelujah. There is nothing outstanding and title is now fully and unquestionably his. Jesus holds the deeds friends the question is is our name on there the Lord is a great redeemer and all his people come before his throne they lay their crowns before him they offer everything to him their prayers their praises their very lives now offered up In service to their Redeemer. Jesus also secures the redemption of all creation. Look at uh, verse 13. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing. Jesus not only secures 
the salvation of sinful human beings, but he also secures the redemption of all creation. So when the secular media starts telling us about the initiatives that will save the planet, let's remember who alone can save the planet. The one who made it and sustains it today. The reality is, is that science is fallible. God alone is infallible. Amen? I'm not, I'm not saying science is useless. All right? don't, don't take it as I'm saying science is useless. But science is certainly fallible. There's a lot of dodgy papers written. You can prove anything with the right set of experiments. Right? God alone is infallible. God alone knows how he makes it work. God alone can bring life from death. God alone can bring something from nothing. Praise the Lord. He knows how he did it. He knows how to remake it. We should certainly take every reasonable step to care for the world that God made. Let's recycle. Let's not waste. Let's be as sustainable as possible. But let's not buy into the hopeless, it's now or never climate catastrophe mindset. Friends, the creator redeemer is at work making all things new. Because of Jesus, friends, verse 5, there is no more weeping. Praise God. Jesus takes the scroll, verse 7. Chapter 6, he begins to open that scroll. As As a member of the Godhead, Jesus not only has the ability to open the scroll, but he is also the co author of that scroll. You know, ancient manuscripts did not look like this. Okay? They're wondrous things, books, aren't they? If you're like me and have an appreciation for books, you've probably got far too many. Take several lifetimes to read them all. But ancient uh, manuscripts were scrolls. What we call the original autographs of scripture. The God-breathed documents first written down by the prophets and the apostles of God. These were scrolls. When you visit a synagogue, the Torah is still written on scrolls. So what's John telling us? Well, surely, even as we know from Paul's writings... Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Colossians 1 verse 15. In him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Colossians 1 verse 19. And through him to reconcile himself all things. Whether in heaven, uh, in earth or on heaven. Making peace by the blood of his cross. Colossians 1 verse 20. Friends, King Jesus reigns from his cross. As Jesus opens the seals of the scroll, he's revealing the truth for us. We're beginning to understand how pieces of the jigsaw puzzle fit together. Jesus reigns from his cross. He is ultimately no weak and dying lamb. This lamb is alive, even though he died. 
He has seven horns, symbolizing divine strength. He's almighty. He has seven eyes, symbolizing all knowledge. Who knows everything? Well, God himself. God alone is omniscient. And this lamb has the sevenfold spirit, the divine spirit of God, and is therefore omnipresent. He is all present. Yes, he's standing at the center of the throne in heaven, but he is everywhere simultaneously as he sees everything and everyone. Friends, the apostolic Christology. What the apostle says about Christ, the eyewitnesses, what they said about Jesus is that he is saviour, he is Lord and he is almighty God and worthy of all praise. And the lamb is worthy to take the scroll. It belongs to him anyway. And he opens the seals and he makes sense of all divine revelation since the beginning. Since he himself is the beginning and the end. Friends, it was always the purpose of God to be known by men from every tribe and language and people and nation. Verse 9. That we might have our life through his blood, and we might serve with our lives as priests in his kingdom. Verse 10. Reigning here and now. Reigning here and now, friends. Not waiting for some mystical millennium at some point in history where we might begin to start reigning. If we're one of the numbered But reigning here and now. Do you know Christ's reign in your life here and now? He is reigning. This is the third point. He is reigning now. Friends, the door to heaven has been opened for John to see the reality. And it's a present reality. Jesus is reigning now. We see the evidence of that all around us. Because if Jesus isn't reigning, and this is the weird thing, is the kingdom is here already, but not yet in its fullness. Not yet is the kingdom everything. It's, it's breaking in to a broken world. And so right now, it's either Christ or chaos. Christ is either reigning or there's chaos when someone else is reigning. You and I try and reign. You and I try and follow some other world leader or some other religious system. Chaos will ensue, friend. But if Christ is on the throne of your life, you will know peace. You will know order. You will know his wondrous rule in your life and in your family's lives. The less of Christ there is, the less of God's true word influencing matters, the more chaos there will be. 
But if we come to know Christ, order returns. Notice how orderly things are in in Revelation 4 and 5. Everything's rightly orientated around the throne of God. Everyone is worshipping. Everyone is giving God the praise that's due his name for all the wonderful works that he's done. There's no hint of rebellion there. This, friends, is ultimate reality. If we come to know Christ, order returns. Only through Christ is sustainable and lasting peace and order. A kingdom that uh, can endure. A kingdom that's everlasting. All other kingdoms will inevitably end. Do you believe that? Is that your understanding of reality? Notice the prayers of the saints are being offered in verse 8. They continue to be offered. Because this reality of the inbreaking kingdom, the war that's being waged for the souls of humankind continues. And so the prayers of the saints continue. Do you know your prayers are heard? They're heard and they're answered by God if you're his child. Not only is Christ reigning up there in the throne room of heaven. The very fact that he is omnipresent through the sevenfold spirit of God means that he is reigning here as well. And all things are in subjection to him who stands at the centre of the throne. The Lamb who sees all things. When he sees us, what does he see? Has he stooped tenderly to reveal himself and his marvellous character to you? Though he is mighty and holy... Has he picked you up to tend and heal your wounds that you might rise and be able to serve him? The 24 elders are before the throne serving God with praises symbolised by the harps and in the songs of praise that are recorded there in chapter 5 for us. They serve God with these bowls of incense representing their prayers. The elders, of course, representing those who have come to know the majesty and grace of the one who sits on the throne. They also know that Jesus is the fulfilment. He is the reason. He is the centre of existence, of life itself. Has the world got to you? Perhaps in the past. Perhaps now, after the relentless months of lockdowns and limitations on movement, the increasing cost of living, the inability of the government to do much, if anything, about it. Perhaps your personal circumstances are tiring and frustrating and hurtful. Well, did you consider 
that God might be purposing all of this. Not as some kind of cruel experiment, but in order to wake us up from our slumber. To have his people distilled and focused more clearly on him. And for those in the world to perhaps discover for the first time that they need him to live. For me, there's no greater demonstration that Jesus is king than that he brings life where there was no life. His resurrection from the dead and his ability to govern the whole universe, purposing good in the hopelessness of the world. When we look at the current situation from worldly eyes, ecological disaster, financial ruin, wars and rumours of wars, we despair. All hope is removed. But when we know that the Lion of Judah, the Root of David, the victorious Lamb of God, if we know him, well, all hope is restored. All tears, like John's, are wiped away. There's no more weeping. But instead, a new dawn to an eternal day has broken. Glory. Hallelujah. So let's present our praises to King Jesus. Let's bring our fervent prayers to him. And let's reign with him as he conquers our sinful frailty. That's what it means for Christ to be reigning. To be governing your heart. To be governing my heart. To be bringing it ever more into alignment with his will. And his purpose. It's something that we can be doing and we can be about today as his spirit moves us. He wants to conquer our sinful frailty. He wants to help us build and repair our families and our communities. That's how he chooses to reign. Through sinful yet forgiven men and women. People like us. Who have no light of our own. No righteousness of our own. But a wonderful saviour. Who has plenty of light. And plenty of righteousness of his own. To give us. So let's be ready. Friends. For his return. In order that King Jesus may come and find us. No longer weeping. But beholding his glory through the cross and following his wondrous example of sacrificial service. He's given us the church. He's given us each other to continue his work. Let's redouble our efforts. Let's follow him through the door paradise shall we bow our heads in prayer
Most gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you this morning once again for this glimpse through the door into the very throne room of heaven to your presence. Lord, we're told in Revelation, later in Revelation, that there's no more need for a sun because your glory, your light shines far brighter. And by it all things are seen. Lord we pray that you would examine our hearts, examine our lives. That you would wash away every trace of sin and iniquity. That the price that you paid would be paid for us. And that knowing this message, knowing this ultimate reality, we would be ready to go to the ends of the earth. To share this same truth with others. Help us start at home. Help us look out. Help us extend your invitation to bring in the hurting, the rejected. Those in the highways and the byways. To the glory of your everlasting name. Amen.